0: What a powerful name it is. There is nothing comparable to the name of Jesus. When God would come down and become one of us. As the song says, he brought heaven down. We couldn't go up into heaven. The way was lost. But he came to bring heaven down to us. That we could come back in fellowship together with him. And he's here to bring you in that fellowship today. Amen. To bring you into a greater relationship with Christ. Amen. The whole thing is deeper, fuller, more. Amen. That ought to be the cry of our hearts today. Amen. Let's just look to the Lord today as we pray. Father, we're your children that is gathered together in your name we're thankful for your grace to us lord thy divine mercy and love lord that you have not forgotten your children for you said i'll never leave you or forsake you but i'll be with you even in you to the end of the world we thank you for this time lord that we have to address today the purchase of your blood lord the ones that you have redeemed by grace lord as we speak to them here in this congregation and to those that will be joining with us around the world or streaming this service at a later time. I pray, Lord, you'll minister to them in a mighty way. You'll speak to us and reveal to us your fullness today. May there be a mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost that washes away sin and baptizes new believers into the family of God. Lord, I pray that it'll wash away doubts and unbelief and Lord, that the Word would so so work among us that it would speak to hearts and lives and lift them up out of the doldrums of life and put them over there where joy never fails. I pray now, Father, that you'll bless now the Word as it goes forth and bless it for its intended purpose. And may we be sensitive to the Holy Ghost today. And, Father, knowing that there's delicate things that we always minister in from the pulpit and lord there's a proper way to say things and i just pray lord you'll help us father to say things in the right way not only that but lord when we're laying out the word how important it is to rightly divide the word of truth so we ask that you would hide us behind the cross and guard our lips that we say nothing that we shouldn't say lord but be straight on the word of god Lord, that your people can be confident that your word is true. And Lord, may your word reveal today even the thoughts and intents of the heart and speak to lives and hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. We have dedicated this place to him, so it is his house. Amen. So we come to honor him, to worship him. I pray that today he'll speak to you in a mighty, mighty way. I was yesterday over at Dallas-Fort Worth and Brother um, McGarry's meetings, and uh, we got to hear Brother Tim Humes and Brother Tom Ray and the and, uh, minister there, and, and there's a number of our folks out there this weekend, but anyway, uh, uh, it was a great meeting that, that they were having, and just the presence of the Lord, and we thank God for that. Amen. I'm glad we're not alone. Amen. I'm glad that there's a bride around the world. I'm glad that there are sister churches and fellow believers. Amen. You know, we could be like Daniel was, um, who, who uh, got separated from all his friends and, and fellow uh, church members and served God alone in his generation, but God has blessed us in a mighty, mighty way. Amen. That we could have fellowship with one another. Amen. And just this assembling of ourselves together um, to, to come together and share today our lick of fire with one another and words of encouragement with one another is always very, very important and part of the Christian duty. Amen. So good to be in the house of god together let's sing the song it's um is always my theme and i want us to sing it today is jesus on the inside working on the outside because really if we don't accomplish that having jesus on the inside and changing our lives we have accomplished nothing by coming to to church or being religious or or anything if it ain't jesus on the inside working on the outside we have failed in what we've been called to do, Amen. So let's let's sing it together now. Well, it's Jesus on the inside, He's working on the outside. to display our token, amen, Amen. that the blood of Christ has been applied to our lives. and You know, we can talk about it all we want to. Well, it's on the inside, but it's got to show on the outside, amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 3 and verse 23 for our scripture reading this morning, and uh, we have some things we're going to be ministering on. I'm going to take this, I'm going to call this part the age of life. And we're talking about the age, the time that we're living in, and that it is the age of the personal life of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what's got to be displayed. Not, not a profession of faith, not a work of sanctification, um, not even a demonstration of a, of a gift of the Spirit, but the very personal life of Christ being on display. And this, is, this must take um, preeminence over everything. And one thing that you seek for with all your life, uh, with all your heart, is to have his life on display in yours. Amen. Whether you're a young person or whether you're an older person, whether you're in middle age, whether you're young married, whether you're at the time of marriage, it doesn't matter what age or stage of life you're in, you must display Christ to this generation in this time. Amen. So Galatians chapter 3 and verse 23. But before faith came, we were kept under the law. And I may take just a moment and explain some of these verses as we go along. But as uh, Paul was dealing with the Galatians, um, who were actually new Christians, but now they were being pulled back by the Judaizers, Judaizers back into um, Circumcisions, keeping certain days and rituals and whatever, and Paul is trying to show them um, that, that that was a time of the law, where we were under the schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, to show us the need for Christ. So he would use different things, for example, the Sabbath day rest to show you there was a rest coming. And when you have entered into the Holy Ghost, you have entered into that Sabbath rest. So that's our true keeping of the Sabbath. Amen. Circumcision again, uh, which would be a a show within the flesh, God claiming the seed life. And and that, that, of course, spiritually happens by the baptism of the Holy Ghost, where that we are circumcised by the new birth. So, but before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto unto the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster. Now, these are key statements. The law, the schoolmaster, to bring us unto Christ. Now, some of you, if you're a message student, you'd know right now, Brother Branham taught us that. The tutor was the Holy Ghost. Well, sure, he is the the tutor or the schoolmaster is the Holy Ghost using the law to convince you of the sin. In other words, showing you that you cannot keep it on your own. And convincing you, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong. He's showing you the law and that you're still a lawbreaker. So you you need the Holy Ghost then to set you free from the bondage of sin. So he's the schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. So it's the convicting power of God that we might be declared righteous or justified by faith. But after that faith is come... We, no longer are, we are no longer under a schoolmaster, so we're no longer under the law, amen, because now Christ has come, and so we're not under the law and its rules and regulations. Rather, there's a law of God within our hearts, amen, that causes us to keep the word. For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you... um as have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ, and there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then you are are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now we're going right now down into verse 1. Now, I say, he says, after I've established this, this is what I'm saying, that the heir, as long as he is a child. Now, when are you a child? When you're under the schoolmaster. Amen. Before Christ comes. And and so he is typing this as the heir now, before Christ comes. You know, yet you're, you're potentially heir of everything, but you differ nothing from a servant. Though he be Lord of all, so potentially he's Lord of all, but as a child, he can't come into his full inheritance and participate in the inheritance. Are you with me? All right, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Now, he's actually taken the Greek and Roman law of adoption of how a child now is to be child trained, and he comes to that age of maturity where he can be now about father's business and doing the father's work and acting in the father's name. So is even, uh, but as under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. See, because we were, we're still sinners. We were still working with this and that, even though potentially we were children of God, we're still in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time Was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then heir of God through Christ. Amen. It reaches a point in your life, you're no longer a servant, but a son. Now, you're a son all the time, but you differ nothing from a servant. Though you were Lord of all, potentially, but when Christ comes by the power of the Holy Ghost in your life, then you are no more a servant. And the relationship changes. And the kingdom is handed over to you. Amen. Amen. And you're an heir of God through Christ. Everything that God has is yours. Amen. Amen. That all comes by the new birth. God bless you. You can be seated. I want to remind you that, you know, as what our theme has been is the people of the book have returned to the land of the book. And let me remind you again why we have returned here. Why have we come back to the land of the book? How come we come back to this promised land of the Holy Ghost? That is so that we might see the Messiah. It is a rapture age. It's a rapture time. And so to be able to to receive this rapture, there's got to be a people in their homeland. Amen? Now, so, so we have returned to this homeland for the rapture of the Bride of Christ. This is the ultimate of the very reason why I've come. We have not come to establish churches that will be different from the Methodist, Baptist, or Presbyterians. We have not come here so that um, we could have a a little place that just preaches um, a a little different doctrine than everybody else. We have come here to see the Messiah. We have come, we have returned to this place for the rapture of the Bride of Christ. Amen, to see Jesus return. And he's got to have a a people who have made themselves ready. He's got to have a people who are positioned in the land of the promise and are ready for him to come. Now, Paul is showing the Galatians that there was a freedom in Christ that moved the church from servanthood to sonship. Now, that ought to be the goal of every person is, is to leave servanthood behind and become a full-fledged son of God. Amen? Now, there were others, of course, in that time that were trying to pervert the gospel and to bring them back into bondage under the law. Now, I, I just want to get back to you for a moment. Now, Paul would would, um, would talk about these men, and he would even talk about his stance. And he, he would say, I can't preach any other revelation than what I preached. And he said, no one can add to this, and no one can take away from it. If you'll look with me in Galatians 1.8, you'll see he become emphatically, says it twice. We won't read both the incidences, but right there in the same chapter he says, Though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Amen. Amen? So he he becomes very, very clear and emphatic that nothing else can be preached but what I preached. And he said, because what I preached to you is the unadulterated word and it can't be changed. And he was separating law from grace. And of course, here was the people of the past age that was trying to confuse the Galatians with the past ideas and doctrines and kind of intermingle it and mix it with what Paul was preaching, and, and Paul was, had separated law and grace, and he said, I can't preach you any other gospel. And if anybody, though we, and he includes himself, or if an angel from heaven comes and preach any other gospel than what I preach to you, let him be a curse. Now, you see, and I'm quoting this now from the church age book on this scripture, it was the apostles who brought the original word to the people. And that original word could not change even a dot or a dash of it. And Paul knew it was God who spoke it, uh, who had spoken it to him. So he said, Even if I come and try to give a second revelation and try to make one little change in what I uh, gave originally, let me be accursed. You see, Paul knew that the first revelation was correct. And God can't give a first revelation and then a second revelation. If he did, he would be changing his mind. So now he can't give the original church and Christ be our high priest and his blood be what is necessary to cleanse us from sin. And we get down to the end here and we don't need a high priest. And so the blood is replaced for some make-believe faith that we claim to have. And so again, again Paul knew what he had preached was correct. And let me tell you that's got to be the gospel that we preach today. It is not cannot be something added to or taken away from. So Paul knew the first revelation was correct. God can't give a first revelation and then a second revelation. If he did, he would be changing his mind. He can give a revelation and then add to it as he did in the Garden of Eden when he promised the seed to the woman and then later designated that the seed had to come through Abraham and then later said it would come by the same bloodlines and David, but it was the same revelation. It only gave the people more information to help them receive and understand it. But the word cannot be changed. I'm God. God's that kind of a God. Whatever he said, that's the way it stands. Amen. Times don't change it. Personal opinions don't change it. Even a prophet can't change it. The apostle Paul himself couldn't change it. It is our absolute. Remember that. The Bible is our absolute. Now, Brother Branham never one time ever said he was our absolute. He said the Bible, the word of God is our absolute. Amen. Amen. Now, of course, we believe that Brother Branham preached the Bible, so therefore we can take what he said. But again, every revelation of ours has got to have scriptural foundation. It cannot be contrary to the word. And if you get some ideas from, and you want to take and cherry pick your quotes and come up with some different ideas, if it don't come along with what's in the Bible, If it comes to conclusions the Bible didn't make from Genesis to Revelation, for example, blood, it takes blood all the way from Genesis, all the way through Revelation, all the way to the end time. God will only redeem by blood. There is no redemption of any kind except by blood. Amen. Amen. Now, Uh, You know, again, from the church age book, I'd like to share this. It's uh, just skipping down a little bit in the page. One of these days, there's going to come a prophet to the Laodicean church age. And you will know if he's a real one sent from God or not. Oh, yes, you will. For if he is of God, he will be in that word exactly as God gave it to Paul. He will not deviate from that word for a moment, not by one iota. In that last age when there will be many false prophets appearing, watch and see how they keep telling you that if you don't believe them and what they say, you know, that you'll be lost. In other words, if you don't get my revelation. You don't have my take on things. If you can't see it this way, you're going to be lost. You're going to miss the rapture. And he said, He said, uh, there'll be many false prophets that will come. Amen. But he said, when that last day prophet comes, on the scene, if he's truly that prophet, he will be crying out, get back to the word or you're lost. He won't build on private revelation or interpretation, but on the word, amen and amen. Now that's what your prophet had to say about it. Amen. He realized himself he could not bring another message that Paul didn't bring. Amen. Or another gospel that Paul didn't didn't bring. You say, well, but now, Brother Jim, we got more than what Paul had. No, we've got exactly what Paul preached. Amen. We cannot deviate it, not one iota. Say, so, well, we, we got the understanding of the book of Revelation, yeah? The book of Revelation wasn't even written to Paul. Paul didn't even know it. He, he was gone before it was even written. Amen. So it was left for this end time, people, but not to bring us another gospel that Paul didn't bring, but to bring us back to show us how the church got off the track and bring us back to Paul's gospel once again. Amen. Now, so again, let, let me just get it clear. The only place a rapture is going to be is if you are in the homeland of the Holy Ghost of this Bible. Are you with me? Back in the Word again. And that's got to be your measure line, Amen. not your experience or jumping or shouting or dancing or, or I believe the message or I've got a profession of faith or I believe God sent a prophet. But you're, you're, you've got to have your faith firmly in the word of God. Amen. Amen. So it's, it's coming right back to this Bible again, back to the homeland. Again, like we said. That's the only place the rapture is going to be. Amen. The rapture will not be for anyone outside of the homeland. Amen. Let's just look um, at, at this thought just as a type now. Just as Abraham wanted Sarah to be buried in the, in the homeland. He had been given the land. So he, when Sarah died, he buried her in the cave of Machpelah. Right? Amen. Brother Branham could tell us exactly why he said, because Job had been in that land, and Job was buried in that land, and so Job had the revelation that, I know that my Redeemer liveth. Remember, Job was before Abraham. It's not there in the Bible as far as chronologically is placed, but, uh, but actually Job predated Abraham. Are you with me? And Job had a revelation, you know, that in my flesh I will see God. So he knew that the Messiah would be coming to that land. And Job was buried in that promised land. And he wanted also Sarah buried in that promised land. Now what does that type show us? That type shows us that everyone who is buried in Christ will be a part of that resurrection. Every one of us who are in Christ will be a part of that rapture. There will be no rapture for anybody outside of that promised land. Amen. Now, so everyone was to be buried in the promised land. And we know that everyone that is buried in Christ will be in that resurrection. And in this case, there will not be anyone raptured who is not in Christ. Amen. You have to be in the promised land to see the Messiah. Those who remain behind, um, like those as coming from Egypt, those who stayed in Egypt died there. Those who died in the world wilderness, you know, Jesus would say, they're everyone dead. Amen. Those who stayed at Kadesh Barnea and died in the wilderness, going around the mountain over and over and over again, around the mountain, never entered into the promised land, they died there Amen. Jesus said, "They're everyone dead." Right. Are you with me? Right. Amen. Now, now, again, I just want to say, um, you you must not just be in the stage of coming into the land for the rapture. You must be in the promised land, Amen. and the promised land is the Holy Ghost, and, and of course, that's the same as. The Word, because the Word and the Holy Ghost is the same. So you see, we must be in the Word, but that is the Holy Ghost. We must be in the Holy Ghost, but that is the Word. You can't have the Holy Ghost not be in the Word, and you can't be in the Word and not have the Holy Ghost. All right? Now, so you see, um, as we said, you know, those who remain behind, outside, you know, looking into the promised land, just on the stages of the journey, into the Holy Ghost, will not go in the rapture. Now, you know where that places you. If you're not in the land, you're not rapture ready. Amen. You're going to have to be in the land. You're going to have to be in the Holy Ghost. Now, how many would like to go in the rapture? Amen. Now, to do so, you're going to have to have more than a portion of the Spirit. Amen. You're going to have to have more than a confession of faith. And a confession of faith is a work of the Holy Spirit that leads you to embrace the knowledge of Christ and his message, but it is yet but a portion and sanctification, which again is a work of the Holy Ghost, it's the Holy Ghost wooing you and calling you and convincing you of wrongdoing and, and telling you, you know, get rid of this and that out of your life. You know, sanctification, which is again, a work of the Holy Ghost, whereby the professor, um, by, the, by the knowledge of the word, begins to be washed, it's still just a work of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit wooing and calling you saying come on in but you're not in amen you're making step toward it but you're not in the land amen it's calling you there but you're not there yet you say brother Tim that's me today well I tell you 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 got a choice you can take another step toward the promised land you can move on in come on Amen. We're calling for immigrants to make their aliyah. Amen. That aliyah means a homecoming, a coming, a, a, a rapturing up, or going up, an ascension, rising higher. God's calling you to make your aliyah today. To come into that promised land. Come on home. Come on, you weary, those that have been distressed, those that have been cast down, those that have been abused. Wherever you are, you, you know, come on in. There's refuge. There is peace. There is joy. There is prosperity. There's every blessing in the homeland. Come on in the homeland. That's what the Holy Spirit is calling. Amen. And if you're in the homeland then the Holy Spirit is calling you, take some more of it. Get more than what you got. Yeah, you're there, you're in the homeland, but, you know, face your giants. Amen. Take your possession. Are you with me? Now, so, so again, again, let's take it one step further. We talked about confession of faith or justification and sanctification, which is, again, a work of the Holy Ghost. And, hey, you know, but, and then to be baptized by the Spirit, that one is so overjoyed that they speak in other languages is still but a work of the Spirit. It is not the Holy Ghost. It is a gift of the Holy Ghost. So, you know, to get to have tongues, are you with me, is to receive his gift. But we're not talking about receiving a gift today. We're talking about you must have the very person, the very life of Christ, in your life. Yes, Amen. Amen. Now, so, so again, um, you know that it too is a portion. Now, a person can do all of this. You may justified or sanctified, or speak in other tongues and dance and shout. And still not have the indwelling of the Spirit of God. You see, it's like, uh, you know, conception in the womb is faith and the growth of the baby and sanctification in the womb. But it must receive the breath of God. Uh, again, you know, the, the dry bones that I preached about here the other day, a few weeks ago. You know, uh, to, just to have the sinew bring them together or just to have the flesh come upon them doesn't make them alive. Amen, but breathe, O oh breath of God. Breathe upon these and cause these to stand and become a mighty army. That's what we're preaching about. Amen, of people receiving that life so they can be a mighty army. So you can defeat the demons in your life. Amen. You can defeat the demons that has plagued your families through the years. Amen. You can defeat the enemy, and you can walk in victory. That's what that's what our goal is, not just to be a church, but to be a victorious church. One without spot or wrinkle. One that is united with him. Now, so a person can do all of this and not have the indwelling of the Spirit of God is like I said, like conception faith. You know, that's where it's conceived. Growth of the baby and sanctification like in the womb. But it's got to receive the breath of God and be indwelled by the Spirit. And this birth is more than a conception in the womb. It's more than just accepting Jesus as your personal Savior and making a confession with your mouth and start your your belief. It's more than believing and saying, you know, I, I really think the message is right. Well, you got the Holy Ghost. No, you have a work of the Holy Spirit that is teaching you to believe. Amen? Now, so the birth takes place, though, when life comes into the soul and overshadows and quickens the seed that is in your soul. Now, this is why Brother Branham would tell you the real gift is your soul. Because if you don't have a seed germ of life on the inside, no matter how much the rain of the Holy Spirit comes, there ain't nothing inside there to quicken. But praise God, I can see people right here in this building today that have been quickened by the Holy Ghost, Proving there was a seed on the inside of them. Amen. Now, so when this birth takes place, when life comes into the soul and quickens or and, and the seed within the soul, it gives it life. What life? It's the literal life of Jesus Christ. So this is what we're preaching about is the age of the literal life of Jesus Christ. Not a tongue. A gift, not a a cleansing, a washing, a sanctification, not a justification, a giving you of a new set of beliefs. But more than that, the receiving of the very life, the very life that was in Jesus, the very spirit that was in Jesus, comes and indwells you. Amen. Now, of course, it starts with faith. You're not going to get anything from God unless you start believing. Amen. You're not only got to believe. The Bible said he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Yeah. Amen. Now, why is it important to know that he is? Because if you believe he was but not today, then you got the Holy Ghost yesterday and not today. Right. But we got to believe that it's for us today that he is yeah. That he'll keep his word, that he's ever present, amen, that he's right there. Come on, somebody. That he is, amen, and, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So if you'll seek him diligently, he's going to reward you. So he that come to God must believe that he is, and I'm going to be rewarded for believing. And the reward for believing is receiving his life in the mind. Amen. Amen. Now, again, we we take this back to a little statement Brother Branham said in, in birth pains. He said, Now her messenger is promised in Malachi the fourth chapter. He promised to do it, and the message is to bring back the word, bring the people back to the word. Birth is to be, she is to be delivered of a new birth from according to Malachi 4. So I want you to understand that the new birth of Malachi 4 is something that turns the heart. Amen. It does a work in the heart. Not something that you just jump about, not something you just shout about, though you may do all of that. But whatever it does, it turns the heart. Amen. And when the heart is turned, then the nature of God is projected toward God and toward his word. Amen. Now, so the new birth according to Malachi 4, it turns a heart away from sin and unbelief back to faith. And that is more than a baptism of the Holy Ghost that just happens on your spirit realm. Now, you see, you're a three-part being. You, are, you, are, you have a body, you have a spirit, a human spirit, and then you have a soul. Amen? Now, a lot of people get it where it's on their spirit and, and they jump and they shout and rejoice because that's where the human emotions lay. And you can feel the Holy Ghost and that causes you to react. It should cause you to react. And I'll just say this, you know, uh, sometimes people are worried about getting it on the spirit. If you don't get it in your spirit, you'll never get it in your soul. Amen. It's got to come through that inlet. Amen. It's got to come through the the hearing, seeing, receiving. Amen. Through the the outward man and to the inward man of the spirit, the mind of of the person, it must be accepted in the womb of the mind and then come into the soul. Amen. So you see that again, it is more than just coming on your spirit realm. Now, this is why it is so deceiving in this age, is because people can actually get the Holy Ghost on their spirit realm and their soul remain unchanged. This is why we could have men like, um, uh, you know, A.A. Allen, who could, who could cast out devils have a tremendous prayer line and many times be drunk on alcohol while he is doing this is because it it was it could get on his spirit and the anointing there and there he would pray even for the sick and God would honor faith and him a drunk man. You know, Brother Bannon said about himself, he said, God would honor that faith. He said, even if I was a hypocrite. And that's what people don't understand a lot of times that God responds to faith. For healing, it's faith. And when God sees faith, if you're a prostitute, God will heal you. But that itself don't save you. There's many people get healed that are never saved. Now, so you see, um, again, it's it's more than just something on your spirit realm that causes you to even make an intellectual response or profession to accept and believe. You, you know, listen, church. I was, I, I've watched um, some films of, of Billy Graham and make an altar call. And what an anointing. Yes. 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 10, 20,000 moved down from the stands, all in unison coming to accept Christ as a personal Savior. And you say, that was an anointing? That was an anointing. Yes, was. Amen. Was it a call of the Holy Ghost? Yes, it was a call of the Holy Ghost. Yes, Amen. But, but again, again, you know, they come and only went so far just to, to respond to accept Christ as their personal Savior and believe on him as Lord. And make a confession with their mouth. But you see, they fail to understand that you receive the Holy Ghost Not when you believe, but after you believe. And that's what a lot of message guys had come along and made the same mistake. They thought by embracing the truth of the message and acknowledging the Word of God was right and sympathizing with it and agreeing and saying, yeah, it makes more sense than anything. And I know it's right and I know it's the truth. But you see, it's got to be more than that. It's got to change you. So many of our young men that are raised up in church can sit on a bar stool and out-debate all the other, other people in the bar. They're not saved. they just got knowledge. And the knowledge didn't give them salvation. The knowledge just puffed them up and they got a little more understanding than that the next guy can can even win the debate. But they're not saved. We're not talking about being able to win debates. We're talking about being saved that no debater can take it away from you. Amen. Amen. Hey man. Now, you know, you know, I myself, I'm not the smartest cookie on the tray and there's a lot of men could out-argue me or out-debate me. That doesn't mean anything. I've got a revelation in my heart that the devil can't take away that all the arguments and the better, uh, the better uh, way of presenting something can never change my mind. I know because it happened to me. Amen. I know because something changed me. Now, again, you see, it's more than a baptism of the Holy Ghost that gives you an an intellectual response or it's more than an emotional response of rejoicing and shouting and dancing or speaking in tongues. It's got to be the quickening of the seed gene of God that turns your life around. Now, this is where it is so close that it would deceive the very elect. You know, where many times people are looking out here and saying, oh, the Catholics out there, they're, they're, so, they're not so close. It would deceive the very elect. The denomination they're not so close. It would deceive the very elect if it were possible. Where is the real deception? You just put up Matthew 24, 24. But remember, remember it's so close. Because we're we're in the time, we're in the time of of the grain. And in that stage, there's another stage there called the shuck. And it looks so much like the grain that you can mistake it for the grain. Amen. Amen. Now, but it's the time of the shuck. We're so close that people can actually sit on message pews Go ahead. Go ahead. and be deceived. Now, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to shake you. I'm not trying to remove your anchor. I'm trying to get you to realize, hey, you know, I, 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 I just need to move further in God. Amen. Amen. Matthew 24, 24, for there shall rise false Christ. Now, he didn't say false Jesus. He says false Christ. Christ means anointed one. Right. There shall rise people that are anointed. Right. Now, what makes it so confusing? It's just like A. A. Allen. He was not healing by the devil. He was healing by the power of Christ. So, you see, they can actually, actually be truly anointed, but unchanged on the inside. They can actually speak in genuine Holy Ghost tongues and not have the person of Christ on the inside. They can actually prophesy, and it come to pass. Ephesus did. Amen. Balaam did. Prophesy, and it come to pass. And still be anointed by the true spirit, yet be false seed. See, anointed one's at the end time. This is, this is where it gets really, really tricky. I want you to get this now. Because the shuck looks so much like the grain. We come into this stage where there's two parts and one looks so real and is not real. And the other is real grain. And it's the only one going to go in the garner. The shuck's going to be burned with unquenchable fire. Amen. And let me just say, let me just say, um, 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 there's been many shucks sitting on message pews. What do you think? Why do you think they pulled away from the grain? Why do you think they went right back out into the world? Why do you think that though we made them deacons and trustees and preachers and so on, now they deny the message? Because they looked so real that it was so difficult to tell them apart that churches would even elect them as the deacons in the church. These look like the most spiritual one among us. And all they were was a shock. Amen. Amen. Now, I know you're thinking, oh, this is really hard. Uh, but, you know, uh, let, me, let me just say, in the natural, the shuck can never become the grain. But in the spiritual, if you're shuck this morning, you can become grain. Yes, you can, man. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. Amen. You, you may have been a, a cane all your life. Yeah. Amen. You may have been a Judas and a betrayer. Come on, but today, you can change to be a son of God. Amen. That's exactly right. Amen. So, you know, maybe, maybe uh, you know, e- even Cain was given an opportunity. And we're, we're, given, we're holding everybody else uh, out out an opportunity. Don't they? they you say, well, Brother Tim, them people, when they left, they blasphemed. Well, Paul said, I blasphemed and I persecuted. So we don't ever give up on anybody. We say, whosoever will, let him come. You want to repent? Come on. Amen, the spirit bids come. Come on, get in the land. Get in the ark of safety. I don't care. You may have for years threw your tomatoes at Noah and for years you threw your rotten eggs and you slandered and you did all of that, but whatever, put them down and get in the ark. He so said, Why are you preaching that way? Because many of you have got loved ones that are out there that have done exactly that, and I'm giving you some hope for them. You said, Why would you give them hope? Because God does. There's example after example, amen, of wayward men and women, prodigal sons that went out and wasted it all and God brought them back in in spite of us and I'm going to tell you I'm not going to be an older son that sits around and criticizes I'm going to be one of those that said, let's have a party let's have a celebration let the children come on home Hallelujah. Kill the fatted calf. Come on home, children. I believe we got a fatted calf right here. So, well, the chaff is all burned. Well, you know, Said, so, well, that's all in denomination. Every one of them out there, they're going to be burned. No, there's some of them that are, are saved for a different purpose. They may be outside of the city and the new Jerusalem to come, but they will be there. Amen. Don't listen. Quit trying to play God and put people in and out. Yes, just, uh, just let God be God. Let God make the decisions. And you do what the bride does. The spirit and the bride say, Come. And whoever's thirsty, come and drink of the water of life freely. So you let God be God and you be bride. Yes, Amen. Because the spirit and the bride will say, Come. Amen. That's what gives me hope. That's why I can preach service after service, knowing some of you are backslidden, some of you are rebellious, some of you are you know are are just barely hanging on, but I always hope this will be the service that today will be the day. Amen. Today could be your day where you come all the way into the land where there's an aliyah for you, where there's a celebration. And there's a bunch of brothers and sisters right in here that said, come on in. Come on in this promised land. Come on. Amen. There's enough room for you. There's enough room for all. And we can't go. The Messiah can't come until every one of his is in the land. Hallelujah. 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 That's what I would do. I would say amen to that. I'd say amen for my loved one, for my brother, for my sister, for my children, for my children's children. Amen for as many or as far off, how far they stray. I would say amen to it. So be it God. Do whatever you got to do. Just bring them in. Amen. But let the right here in this land there be a revival and a place prepared to receive those wayward ones that they can come in and find grace and mercy. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Matthew twenty four twenty four. False Christ now. False anointed ones, anointed ones. Now, a lot of people get that all, you know, messed up because we read the title, (coughs) false anointed ones at the end time. Now, Brother Brandon would tell us in that sermon, the anointing is true. So it's, it's really anointed false ones. True anointed false ones. Amen. The anointing is true. Now, quit making fun of the anointing out there. Amen. You, you know while, while I'm here I, it just struck me quit making fun of the anointing out there yeah you know people people say well you know all these people and these praise and worship songs and they're all about love and, and they seem sensual well, what do you think's going on there's a marriage of the Lamb there's a bride and a groom coming together it's a time of a love affair don't make fun of the anointing They are catching. Listen, those are gifts. Those are gifts. And God even gives gifts to the rebellious. And they can operate under the gift like Alan did. And they can sing even wrong songs and come back and get anointed. And write us a wonderful song like that song that I heard when I was just an 11-year-old boy. And sat on the edge of my seat in Shreveport, Louisiana. And here, Brother Branham, write us another verse to a secular song, a country hit. High on the pop charts, a contemporary song. Are you with me? Amen. Popular out there where everybody had popularized it now since 1958 on the wings of a snow white dove. And see the Holy Spirit come down and write another verse to it. Where did they get the inspiration? Because there's anointing being poured out. Take a drunk man, a drunk and rebellious man, all his life, one day break into an anointing and write a song, I saw the light. He wrote it under that moment of catching a glimpse of light and went right back out into darkness. We sing songs like, I pledge allegiance to the Lamb. Turn around, a guy turns around, becomes a homosexual. Denies everything. How in the world could he write such an inspired song? Anointed. Don't call the anointing false. The anointing is true. It's the person's fault. And don't tell me we, we can't sing those songs and worship to God because they are our love songs back to Christ. Amen. And if you get in love with Jesus, you quit having problems with it. You start pouring out in your heart in praise and worship also. Amen. Now, we see, and how can I overcome, Brother Branham said. We see this age that we're living in. It's one of the grandest ages of all age. Now, before I go on, I want you to understand, I don't put a stamp of approval on every song that's out there. Amen. I, I, think, I think it's got to be under some Holy Ghost leadership. And I believe we have it at this church. Amen. But we see this age that we're living in. It's one of the grandest ages of all ages. This Laodicean church age is the grandest of all the church ages because it's the ending of time and the blending of eternity. And then, now here, it's the grandest. Because ages are ending and, 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 and eternity is blending. Amen. And this Laodicean age, grandest of all ages, it's the climax age, it's the final age. God won't speak in another age. So if you got another age, God ain't speaking there because this is the last voice. This is the amen of God. This is the finish. This is the finality. If you don't get it, by the seventh angel's message, you're not going to get it. So again, then it is... The greatest sinful age. The grandest. Blending of time and eternity. The one who receives the greatest rewards. Brother Bradham said of all the other ages. Laodicea. And yet the greatest sinful age. It's more sin in this age than there's ever been. And the powers of Satan is many times harder to fight against than it was in any age here. Back in the early ages a Christian good for his profession of a, in a church a belonging to Christ could be beheaded for it. He could be killed and put out of his misery and go to meet God quickly. You know, again, you know in early age, just make a, you know, just profess his name. You could be killed for it. But now the enemy has come in in the name of the church and it's so deceiving. Yeah. This is the great age of deception when Christ said so, uh, the two spirits would be so close in the last days till it would deceive the very elected if it, if it was possible. Remember, Christ spoke of an elected people for the last days. Say, it would deceive the very elected if it was possible. Aren't you glad he spoke about an elected people Amen. in the last days? Here we are. Mama, that's me. That elected people. Amen. And I would be deceived by it if it were possible. But you see, with this personal life of Christ, you can't be deceived because this bride is going to be different from what Eve was. She will not be deceived. Amen. The people, now here's where it comes down. It is so close. The people so live. People can live a clean, holy life and not be sinful adulterers and drinkers and liars and gamblers, and they can can live above that and still not with it. Oh, my goodness, Brother Tim, you mean uh, people that live a clean, holy life, they're just really good people, and they're not sinful like being adulterers. Yeah, man, this guy, he's faithful to his wife. You know, um, drinkers, he wouldn't touch alcohol. Liars, he's just as honest as he could be. He's so squeaky clean. Gamblers, wouldn't be that. You won't catch him down at casinos. They can live above that and still not with it. And then he says, this is the age of life, personal life of Christ. That's where I got my title. Amen. That were the chemical of his body, what was in him. First, under justification, the water baptism. Second, under the new birth of Wesley, sanctification, which cleanses. Thirdly, under the baptism of the Holy Spirit, putting that sanctified vessel into service. The word sanctified means, it's a compound Greek word, which means cleaned and set aside for service. Set aside for service. Now, the Holy Spirit puts it in service. And we'll notice when the whole when the unclean spirit is gone from a man, he walks in dry places. That's exactly what the church has done. That's exactly what the church has done. Baptist, Methodists, those who believe in sanctification, that Jesus said the unclean spirit went out, returns back into this church body, and finds a house garnished and swept clean and living pure and clean lives. But then if that house isn't filled, Occupied, then he comes in with seven other evil demons, worse than he was. And the last stage of, the, of this place is seven times worse than it was in the first place. They'd have been better to stay a Lutheran than to receive that light and fail to follow it. So will the Pentecostals see, you know what I mean. The house is garnished. So, again, so close now. The devil comes in and they lives so clean and holy church members and still unsaved. In the message investment, he took it a little further. He said a beautiful picture. Jesus said when, when the unclean spirit is gone out of the man. Did you notice he never said when he's cast out of a man, but when he goes out by his own will. When the unclean spirit is going out of a man and he returns back to this man and finds the house that he's lived in has been swept and garnished and he goes and gets seven other devils and demons, unclean spirits and enters into this man and the last state of this man is seven times worse than it was at the first. Did you notice the devil went out by his own will and he returned by his own will. You know, this is why Brother Branham would say, Satan don't care how right you are in your doctrine. As long as you miss that life. So he'll even let you sit on a message pew. All right. He'll, he'll let you just even come right down the place and the devil go out by his own will and come back with seven more and you become a religious person. Just religious. And you'll watch them. A lot of times these are time bombs that are just about, you know, they may go 10 years and all of a sudden they explode. They're like a terrorist, a sail. Sitting right there in the church. And then they explode. Here goes, you know, their adulteries. And oh, I thought that man, oh, he sang in the choir. My goodness, he was a, a, a preacher. He did this. And he explodes. And how many does he take down with him? Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. We've seen it time on time again. Amen. It's a very picture, beautiful picture of a moralist. As we would think of today, a man that tries to think he's going to heaven just because he quit j- gambling or he maybe he quit running with women that wasn't his wife or stopped his drinking on, on New Year's Day and, and turned over a new leaf and joined the church. You see, he doesn't, he really isn't converted. He's just a moralist. And the devil is using moralists just to go out and make a foolish representation when really the real power of the living Christ isn't there. So this is what we want to have, is that real power of the living Christ. Not just church members. Amen. Amen. The world is wanting to see Christ. Amen. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches, and the branch bears record of the vine because it draws its energy and life from the vine. Still reading from investments. Well, the first vine, first branch that came from this vine, they wrote a book of Acts behind that branch. We see the way the Holy Spirit acted in that first church that church of Pentecost, and then when we believe that if this original vine ever puts forth another branch, they'll write another book of Acts behind it because it's the same life that's in the vine. And if the first branch put forth a, a bunch of grapes, and then we find out here that's got watermelons growing on it, and pumpkins and cucumbers, we know it isn't the life that was in the vine. Therefore, I think even where we would call ourselves Pentecostals has failed to represent the real thing that Christ has set forth for us to represent the Holy Spirit and the life of that Spirit. See, we sometimes... We represent sometimes sensations, and we represent joy, and that's good, but there's more to it than that. There's a fruit that goes with it that hungry man is looking for this fruit of the Spirit, and this is a quality that was in Jesus. So we want the same quality that was in Jesus to be in us, his life on display. That's why Brother Brandon, when he preaches the message token, he said the token to be effective must be on display. Amen. 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 And what is the token? It's the literal life of Christ. His life must be on display. Now you see, it takes more than an anointing or a baptism on your human spirit. You can have that. And this is what Brother Brandon would so confuse people, especially the Pentecostals who rely on speaking in tongues. He said, You know, he said, You can have that every day of your life and still be lost. Yeah. But when the Holy Ghost comes in your soul, it becomes your nature. Yes. Hallelujah. And we're looking for the life of Christ to be on display. You say, what am I looking for, Brother Tim, you know, to jump? Well, you know, it'll make you jump. But there's a lot of people jump and ain't got nothing. Right. Amen. Shout, yeah, it'll make you shout. But a lot of people shouting and ain't got a thing. Some are shouting to get it, and you don't shout to get it. You shout because you got it. Amen. Now, certainly, certainly, you know, you've got to yield to the Spirit, not saying that. You've got to yield to the spirit. You've got to, you've got to invite the Holy Spirit to come into your life. Do a work. Amen. But, but you see, what are we looking for? That fruit, that, that evidence that he's there because his life is there. And, and you can get it on your spirit every day of your life and still be lost. But that Holy Ghost must come into your soul and become your nature. And and so we're looking for his life to be on display. Now, of course, you know, if his life is on display, you can't deny any word. He cannot deny himself. See, you can't have the Holy Ghost and deny his word. You can't have the Holy Ghost and say he don't speak in tongues no more. You can't have the Holy Ghost and say days of miracles are past. You can't have the Holy Ghost and cut your hair and paint your face. You just can't. You say, well, I, I believe the message. You apparently don't. You still may use the makeup so you don't believe. If you believe, we'd show the actions. You see, your your actions would, would actually demonstrate what you really believe. And it wouldn't be a struggle on the inside. It would be a change of nature. It would be a desire to please God. So well, I don't understand it, you wouldn't even have to understand it. All you have to know is God said this. and that's good enough for me yeah. Whether I understand it or not why or how come it doesn't really matter he said it yes. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. you see what we're looking for is the deity of Christ to come in you not a profession of faith Not to quit smoking or drinking or, you know, uh, reform here and there and straighten up here and there. We're looking for that, of course. We're looking for you to believe in Christ, too. We're looking for for every every promise God has. But what we're looking for is his life to be on display. Amen. 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 So in the deity of Christ, if you just go right back to that fundamental message, all the way back to forty nine. Brother Branham is adamant about this from the beginning all the way down to the end. But he said, that is God the creator living in you and giving you all the powers. And you're in possession of anything that he had. So it is, so it is, so is it in you to abstain from evil, to do good, to shun evil, and to flee to righteousness, to turn away from temptation All malice, hatred, strife, envy, and so forth, turn away from it, for that will take him from your heart. If you receive him, embrace him, love him, hold him in your heart and love him, I can tell you the church together in that kind of a power has the power to bind the heavens, heal the sick, open the eyes of the blind, hallelujah, the, the dumb to speak and the deaf to hear, the cripples to walk and the blind to see. Why? Wow. It's recognizing the power of Almighty God into your heart. There He is, the Deity. Amen. 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 Now, the whole point, the whole point in all of this teaching that Brother Branham does about adoption, and then he'll preach about the hidden life with Christ, and the outer veil, and the inner veil, and the most holy, and all these, the whole point. The whole point is he's trying to get everybody to understand. You must come to full term. You must receive it in its fullness. Partial isn't good enough. So outer veil isn't good enough. Inner veil isn't good enough. You've got to come into the holies of holies we we'll come into that a little more. Again, you would come uh, starting from the infancy and, 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 and the, being under the tutor of the Holy Ghost and finally come to adoption. What's his point? The whole point is full term. Yeah. God wants his church to come into his fullness. Amen. Not partial fullness. Amen. Say, Brother Tim, this is so elementary. Well, I'll tell you what you get the, you get the fullness. You'll love elementary sermons like this. Amen. You won't be sitting up there puffed up with knowledge and say, we know all of this. You'll be saying, Lord God, pour out even more. Amen. So, you know, the whole point has come to full term. Whether the type is water, blood, and spirit. Remember, that's the three stages of the new birth. Water, blood, Spirit. You know, that's a, the natural birth is a type of the spiritual birth. These three elements of the birth, full term. Coming from infancy to adoption, once again, full term. That's the whole point of the whole thing. Coming from the, uh, the outer court to the inner court to the most holy, coming from all the way, full term. All right? So using either, either the type of water, blood, and spirit or using the Allegory of a, of a child coming to adoption. The whole emphasis is coming to full turn. Now, I'm going to explain something to you. This is Sunday morning, and I'm, I'm going to just take a moment and explain a couple of things to you about types. We, in this message, we use a lot of types. Types are okay as long as they make the same point the prophet makes. Right. Amen? We come to a different conclusion Brother Branham, than Brother Branham had or the Bible has. Well, then we, we come to the wrong conclusion. Because you can type yourself right out of the Word of God. And people are doing it. But, but being that we're talking about adoption, outer court, inner court, most holy, all these are types. Water, blood, and spirit, it's a type. The natural types are spiritual. Now, but you can't mix the types. You gotta keep them running correctly. And you gotta know exactly how to apply them. Let's just take the life of Abraham for a moment. Abraham is a perfect type. Brother Branham said, perfect type of the bride. So he has the divine call, that's justification. Then he comes to the blood altar where he teaches him how to worship, that's sanctification. He teaches them, he comes and brings him to El Shaddai and, and on to, um, uh, you know, God standing in the human flesh, Elohim, discerning the heart, the thoughts and intents of Sarah's heart and the body change. So you see, we can, so can tie it in the life of Abraham all the way from justification to change of our bodies. Is everybody with me? Come all the way from, from justification, believing on the Lord, to, to sanctification, to God, the blood altar, to El Shaddai, the drinking from the breast of God, and, and all the way to the change of our body. Type it all the way. But after Abraham, you know, is changed, and Sarah is a young woman, Abraham lies. Now let's take it a little further. Not only does he lie, but after after, um, Sarah is changed, she dies. Now then, not only does that happen, but then Isaac and and Abraham, they will go up to Mount Moriah, and Abraham has the hardest trial of his life. You mean to tell me that After we're justified, sanctified, baptized baptized with the Holy Ghost and our bodies are changed and we receive the promised son and after that we go through the hardest change of our life and we're still lying and still dying? No, that's not true. You've taken your type too far. You've got to know when to begin it and when to end it. For it to work properly. It's a type. A type is a shadow. A shadow doesn't tell all the details. It just gives you an idea of what's coming. Amen? Sometimes a shadow can actually look like you've got like right now, I can see almost one, two, three, four, five, six, eight, nine. I don't have nine fingers, but I can see that many, because of the way the light's hitting it. So you've got to know when to begin your type and what, what out of that type to take to make it work right. All right. Now then. Now then you can't mix types. Now let's get this lesson in type over with so that you get it. You can't mix the types. You got to keep your types running in a line together. Are you with me? For example, um, Brother Branham would type the bride as a virgin who is going to a wedding, and, and he would type her as a virgin bride going to a great wedding in the skies. You can find this in the quotes. He would also type the bride, and it's more often that he would use this type, but he would type the bride as married and already pregnant with his life and then going away to a wedding supper in the skies, already having conceived the life. All right? Now, that's good. Both types are wonderful. They're truth's but don't mix this type or you have a bride who is unmarried and already pregnant and going to get married. So you either type it this way or type it that way, but you don't mix the types. All right. Now the same here. We got two types about the new birth. We have water, blood, and spirit. It constitutes a full-term birth. Is that right? right. So the whole idea is full-term what 's our object coming to full term coming to maturity coming to life and then the other type is adoption, which we were reading about here in Galatians, and that is advancement of a childhood ad- adulthood, and they 're both talking about the same thing that means you know coming from to adoption is the same as advancing. From um, the infant beginning to meeting the conditions of of adulthood and becoming a full-fledged son. So the whole idea is full term. Amen. So now, again, again, full term. Now, we got two types. We got water, blood, and spirit. And and it it brings us to the full type of the fullness. The Holy Ghost coming in his fullness. You're a full-born child. Amen. So this is showing you full-born God life. This other right here is starting in its infancy and coming to full-born or full-fledged God life. But you don't mix the types or else you are handing a baby, an infant baby, a set of keys and say, son, go run the car. Because you're mixing two types. But if you keep them running correctly, I mean, he's understanding me now, Amen. then you come to, both of them are reaching the same conclusion, coming to full term. Amen. Coming to fullness. Amen. Amen. This is what he was doing with the, the very thing of um, uh, uh, using the type of the, of, of the uh, inner court, outer court, most holy, coming to fullness, coming, coming to the completion. Now, so again, this is, these have got to be handed right, or else you get the whole idea confused. Well, you're saying I'm adopted when I get the Holy Ghost and, and I'm a baby? No, using the type, you're not a, a, a baby when you receive the Holy Ghost. You're a full fledged son, full fledged son, now operating as a son of God. And this is what he was saying when you receive the Spirit, you are no more a servant, a child, but now you are a son and operating in the kingdom of God. This is the Bible. This is the way Paul used adoption. Now, now, how do you come to full term when, when using the type of the three stages of the birth? Water and blood and the spirit. How do you, how do you accomplish that? Well, The same way Peter told us in Acts 2.38. Repent, every one of you. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So how do you come to full term? Acts 2.38. Amen. Amen. Now, how do we get adopted or placed as sons in the promised land of the Holy Ghost? Same way Peter told us. Same thing. Amen. Repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sin. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So it's the same way the church at Pentecost was fully empowered. Adopted church with the abstract of the title deed, but was chosen to be planted as a seed, whereas this mature grain in our day is going to be raptured or taken into the garner. That's the only difference. You say, well, we had the seals, Brother Tim. Well, yeah, we had the seals, but they didn't need the seals. It wasn't sealed to them. You tell me, tell me one, one, one fundamental doctrine. Amen. That would that Paul that we preached that Paul didn't preach. Amen. What, what was this about the seven seals? It was it was showing us how we got off track and bringing us back to what Paul preached. Not a different gospel, the same gospel. Because if we're preaching another gospel, we're cursed. Now, like I said, you know, when we're starting to come to conclusions today, the Lamb has left the mercy seat, and there's no more intercessor, and, and he's no longer the high priest, and the blood, you know, is, is not needed, and there's no needed for a sacrifice. That is a lie. And it's not what Paul preached. And everyone who believes that and preaches that is accursed. And the only way to come out from under that curse is come out of that unbelief. Because that's what it is. Now, so again, Brother Branham would would preach on something and and, and he would preface this scripture. We're going to look back at Galatians 4 and verse 4. And and he he would preface this by saying, now... Comes our triumphal capstone on the baptism with the Holy Ghost. So here, Brother Bradham, I laying it down. Here's our triumphal capstone, on the baptism with the Holy Ghost. And he reads from Galatians 4:4, "But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of son. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart crying, Abba, Father, whereby, wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. So notice the adoption is God sending forth the spirit of his son, Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost, into your heart, then that makes you recognize God is your father. Amen. Amen. This, is, this is your new birth. Amen. When you recognize God is your father. Galatians 4.1, let's look at that scripture again. Now I say that the heir, as long as he's a child, he differs nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. Notice, child, servant, child, servant, child, servant. As long as he's a child, he's a servant. He is not in sonship as long as he is a child. All right? But notice this. Once the Holy Ghost is coming, come. And come By God sending forth the Spirit of His Son in your heart, once that happened, look at verse 7 now. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Hallelujah. So once the Holy Spirit comes in, you're no more a servant, you're a full fledged son. You've got the adopted robe. You've got the father's approval. You've got his ring on your finger. You can, you, whatever you bind is bound. Whatever you hire is hired. Whatever you fire is fired. Whatever you cast out, heaven stands behind you. You are a son of God with authority from God. Amen. There it is. I'm going to quote from the church age. Jesus Christ came forth, died upon the cross, and accomplished redemption, restored to original owner by means of a, a purchase and pay of the price, and thereby placed us as sons. He did not make us sons because we were already as sons, but He placed us as sons. Notice the Holy Ghost is placing you into the land, placing you into the body. Amen. Placed us. This is why Brother Brandon would say, he will place you as a preacher. Amen. Why? Because you really aren't to preach till the Holy Ghost comes. Amen. This is what positions you as a son or daughter of God. Amen. So when the Holy Ghost comes, he did not make us sons, for we are already his sons, but he places us as sons. For as long as we were in the world, in the flesh, we could not be recognized as his sons. We were held captive by the devil. Now, really, let's get something straight. You didn't really become a son when you made a profession of faith. No, that's not when you become a son. You always were a son. You were a son before the world began. You shouted. As the stars of God, you rejoiced. He saw you in his mind rejoicing, right here in time, rejoicing over the enemy. He saw you doing just what you're doing right there, Brother David James, raising your hands and saying, glory to God. You were there, and you're here doing what he saw you do in eternity. Hallelujah amen so therefore when you recognize the very word of God was eagle food you heard from your theophany you heard from what he saw of you before the world began and you are only here in time doing what you did in eternity yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. and by the way you were predestinated unto adoption amen, amen. he set your destiny to receive the Holy Ghost yes, to receive his nature for the Holy Spirit to come in your heart. Whereby you cry, Abba, Father. Yes, sir. Abba, it's just the Aramaic word for father. It's father, father. Amen. My father, my God. Yeah. When you was out in the world, sports was your God. Women was your God. Men were your God. Hollywood was your God. You had many gods. But here when you come into this land, we have one Lord. Yeah. One God. Yeah. One Father. In this land, we don't have many gods. We have one God. Amen. Amen. So now, he did not make us sons, for we were already his sons, but he placed us as his sons. For as long as we were in the world, in the flesh, we could not be recognized as his sons. We were held captive by the devil, but not, we were sons nevertheless. And hear this, and because you are sons, God has sent for the spirit of his son into your hearts, whereby you cry, Father, Father, upon whom did the spirit fall at Pentecost? Sons, at Corinth, upon sons, when they heard the word. Amen. And when the Holy Ghost came, that put them in the body of Christ. That put them or placed them in the land. That's whole Brother Brandon's whole sermon on adoption is being placed into the promised land. Right. Now, so uh, in, in the Smyrnaian church age, he would, he would say, what is the baptism with the Holy Ghost? It is the Spirit baptizing you into the body of Christ. Now, this is why we believe you can't join the church. You have to be baptized into it by the Holy Ghost. Amen. So you, you might be born here, dedicated here, sit on the pew, but you never truly belong until you're born again. And, you know, until that happens, you're always going to have this sense of alienation. You're going to always have this sense, I, I, I don't fit. You're always going to have this condemnation. Well, I, I'm not worthy to take communion. So you don't show up in communion. Well, you know, that's not the answer. The answer is not quit church. It's not quit communion. The answer is get born again. Resolve the issue. Get the strange feeling away from you. You get to where you you realize this is my homeland. I am no stranger in this homeland. I belong here. Amen. Amen. Now, again, um, it's the Spirit baptizing you into the body of Christ. It is the new birth, and it's the Spirit of the living God coming in you. Again, he would say in the message leadership, and I think this is important. So hold on real close. Everybody listen. Listen up. You've got to face one thing, eternal life. That's everybody here. And there's only one person who can give that to you. Mama can't give it to you. She can raise you right. And the Holy Spirit can use her and, and, and daddy to be the tutor to teach you what's right and wrong. But all it'll do is it is just a schoolmaster to keep you until you receive Christ. Amen? Amen. Now, like Israel, they strayed from the law and they went out and they took other gods and they went to whoredoms and what You can do all of that. Under the rule of your mom and dad, every time they're not looking, you're flipping through pornography. Every time they're not looking, you're doing things you know is not right. You go to school and you change your clothes and you got your lipstick and your dress comes. Oh, I know. Since I was 15, I pre- preach against uh, w- women wearing, uh, wearing short dresses and only have some goes to school. The next day, I'll show old Timmy and pull their dress and their skirt all the way up and show half the thigh. What is it? You know, uh, again, y- you need a new birth. That's the problem. Because we can't give you the Holy Ghost. Mama can't. Papa can't give it to you. Listen to this. Your pastor can't give it to you. Your leader here can't give it to you. Everybody that gives eternal life has got to come to Jesus Christ. He's the only one who can give that part. Your teacher can give you an education. She can teach you. You have to learn it. Your mother can teach you to walk. You have to learn to walk. Your father can teach you how to be a businessman or what. You have to learn that. But only Jesus can give eternal life. Your priest, your leader, and so forth can teach you your religion. Hold on your seats now. You can learn the message that we are trying to teach. But still that won't give you eternal life. Amen. You've got to accept the person Jesus Christ. You understand that? All of you, you've got to accept the person Jesus Christ to have eternal life. Amen. Amen. So it's the age of the personal life. Now, early in the 1950s. Brother Branham was telling the Azusa Street, the full gospel movement, that something more was needed than what they had received. Over and over again, he will use different illustrations, but the point is the same. They hadn't went far enough. They thought they'd achieved it. The Baptists thought they did it when they believed. The Methodists thought they did it when they got sanctified and shouted. The Pentecostal thought they had all of it when they spoke in tongues. And Brother Branham over and over and over again is dealing with the people and said, You ain't went far enough. You're not full term. So you'll use different illustrations. So The year 1956. You know what 1956 was? It was the year of their jubilee, 50 years, 1906, 1956, and Brother Branham's message throughout that year was a hidden life with Christ, and he, he would use the types of the three courts. He taught that although they had received the manna, which he typed as the Holy Spirit, that they hadn't gone into the holiest of holies where the pot of manna never gives out and the believer who dwells there never suffers the meal cramps or ever hungers again. And that behind the curtain, he's sealed away from the world. So this is what he was saying. He said, you know, I'm not saying you don't have manna. He said, manna fell on the outer courts. Manna would would even, they would have a pot of manna or or, uh, some shoe bread in the inner court. But it had to be changed out all the time. But he said, in the holiest of holies, where, where, where in, in that place, he said, they had a pot of manna that never got stale, that never, that, you know, that, that the believer there never had to suffer meal cramps. In other words, he didn't go to revival and then lose what he got and have to go to another revival, wait for the spirit to fall again and wait for the spirit to fall again and get another bite to eat and make it on to the next meeting. No, once he was in that holiest of holies, he ate the original manna that was poured out on the day of Pentecost. Hallelujah. The same original manna. And there in that holiest of holies, he never got hungry again. Well, he always had a hunger, but it was right there. Amen. He never had to go hunting out again. He never felt empty again. Are you with me? He was satisfied. He was filled with the spirit. The pot of manna was there. The kind of glory was there. Instead of outside here, you know, you have sunlight. On the outer court, it's light, great light, a bright shining light. But at night, it ain't there. And in the time of cloudy days, it's dark and dismal. You don't feel its warmth. It's light. Then he said, the next court was, there was light there too. And he said it was from the seven golden candlesticks. Which is the light of the messengers. But the light of the messengers is leading you or making the way or shining the light for you to come into the holiest of holies. And he said, but the problem with that, sometimes they would forget to put the oil in. And different times the lamps would go out. They would get smutty and smoky. And it wasn't a good light. But he said in the inner court was the Shekinah glory. And that light never went out. Whether it was stormy outside and cloudy. And whether it was was nighttime, no matter what time. It was always there. The Shekinah glory was always there. Amen. The light never got dim and went out. It didn't, it didn't depend on the refilling. It was always there. It didn't have to be pumped up and worked out and pressed out and squeezed out. And then get this oil out of this and put it there. No, it was there. There's a kind of glory there all the time. Pot of manna never failed. And he said, the, the veil come and shut the world off. And this is what he's saying. Pentecost, Baptist, Methodist. You got manna, you got the Holy Ghost, but you ain't went far enough. Right. You got light, but it ain't the perfect light. Right. Yeah. You know, you got manna, but it ain't, it ain't the hidden manna. Oh, man. That's right. The whole point of it was full term, yeah. Yeah. fullness. And being sealed away from the world. The problem he found was, Believers couldn't make it from revival to revival. They would backslide before the next revival. And although, you know, in the outer court, they, you know, was light, but then would come darkness, and the light would be gone. Cloudy days of discouragement would block the light. The inner court, the problem's the same. They would light the candlesticks. they get smoke in them. So all of this, you know, but there is a place This is what we're trying to preach, the age of the life. You see, the kind of glory was God. It wasn't leading you to God. It was God. And that's what we're preaching about. You know, not a step toward God, not a journey to the land, but in the land. Now, the next night's service after Brother Brandon preached the Uh, uh, That anniversary service, he says, he preached the next night was, why I think Pentecost failed. Well, can't you imagine how angry that made the Pentecostals? To tell them why I think you failed. And in this sermon, he teaches that the church is predestinated to adoption. And the Pentecost just stopped short of it and was still a child that needed to grow up. Amen. And for this, he uses the example of the Roman custom of adoption, how that a Roman would adopt a son into his family, and then the son would be born in his family. And during the years of child rearing, the, 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 the son would be under a governor or tutor. But when adopted, he would be a mature son, an adult who had proved that he had been an achiever. And that he proved himself worthy of sonship and inheriting his father's possession. And this young man had been raised and tutored and proved by his behavior that he was worthy of sonship. This was was the Roman custom of adopting an adult son into the family as a business administrator. And the ceremony would include recognition of a new robe that signified his position, a a ring that signified his authority to act in his father's name. And he continues this concept in the adoption series in 1960, and he uses this same custom of the Romans there, and, and, and he would show them how that, you know, the tutor was trying to get them to come to sonship. And yet, they, they wasn't coming to this place where they were filled with the Spirit, where the Spirit of adoption came. After all, the, after all the Holy Ghost used the Spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Amen. Amen. It's the receiving of the Spirit of Christ in your life. When He comes, that's what adoption is. I'm talking about Bible now and and at the, and at this point, it reaches a point where the, the where he's been under tutors and where, where where he's come through his sanctification and he's learned the father's will, that God would fill him with the Holy Ghost, would set him aside, give him a robe, give him authority. Now, Brother Branham would use this terminology of the Roman custom. To, of adoption to illustrate the need of the church to uh, to um, uh, to progress in maturity. Yet he didn't de-Christianize them. He just acknowledged the work that God had done in their lives were a work of the Spirit. But he would say, you, you need something more." And, and he he would he would talk about the the, the tutor's effort to try. To get these people, spirit-filled people, these that were claiming spirit-filled is the way I would say it. Claiming to be spirit-filled to come to the point that God could entrust them in the kingdom as a full-fledged son. And he said the church will not come to adoption. They won't come to maturity. They won't come all the way. Now, remember, without this adoption, you're not going in the rapture. Amen. It's all the, the, rapture the rapture is only for the adopted. Amen. And the adopted is the spirit field, those who have the token. Amen. It's all one and the same. Amen. Now, so, you know, again, Brother Branham would talk about Lutherans, filled with the spirit. Methodists, filled with the spirit. Presbyterians filled with the spirit you know you know you you're your son but you you need something more what you've got is not even you're not even coming into conduct you're not even coming to the pleasing of the father how is he ever gonna trust you with the kingdom and you won't behave you won't do what I say you won't surrender your own will you, you, you're, you're determined to continue right on in your sinful lifestyle and yet claim the Spirit. Come on, and Brother Brandon would talk about them, you know, being full of the Holy Ghost. And he said, when the Pentecostal people, the Free Methodists and the Baptists and so when they received the Holy Spirit, they said, We got it, that settles it. But it didn't. Right. He said, What they got was good, but it wasn't enough. He didn't condemn. He didn't condemn the confessing Christ. He didn't condemn them believing in sanctification, living a holy life, quit drinking, smoking. He didn't condemn that. He believed in that. He didn't condemn the Pentecostals with with gifts of the Spirit. But he said, you're not going far enough. You stopped short. And so he was using this illustration of adoption to show them you haven't went far enough and because you refuse to go further you will not inherit Amen. you might be a son and you might let me bring it to the, today's term you may be on the outside of the city you may be a foolish virgin or you could wind up in hell But you're not going to inherit the rapture without the Holy Ghost. Until you come to full term, until you get adopted, you cannot go into rapture. If you're not listening to the tutor trying to bring correction, he can never trust you with his power. Power without character is satanic. Yes, What's the result of A.A. Allen? Satanic. Deceiving millions. Let me tell you Janus and Jambres received, used the power of God to turn their staffs into serpents. You think the devil can do that? If he can, he's a creator. They used the power of God to do it. But look what they used their power. These impersonators used their power to try to keep the people in Egypt. Keep them in bondage. And the power of Moses was to free the people from bondage. And you look at all these other moves out there. What what did they use their gifts for? It was to keep them in denominational enslavement. This is Janice and Jambres that withstood Moses, yeah. has withstood even the prophet in the last day. Yes, sir. But look at what their motive is, what they're doing with it, and you like, you look a lot of even men with Holy Ghost gifts of preaching can preach like a house on fire in a high wind, and you know make me look like a, a kindergarten kid. But, and these guys, you know, with, with great gifts and whatever in their life. But look and see what they're doing with kingdom building. Right, Denominationalism. Yeah, right. Pulling people, heaping themselves, teachers having itching ears. Yeah. 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 Amen. Yeah. Yeah. But Brother Branham said, but how can the church, the Pentecostal church, the Methodist and the Baptist churches be adopted until they come to discipline? If they won't hear the word, how are they going to ever be rapture ready? Amen. If they won't leave the wilderness of sin, how are they ever going to get in the promised land? If they're staying over here in Kadesh Barnea, they're, never, they're looking in, they're tasting, they're shouting, they're doing all of this. They, they're saying, we're circumcised, we're Jews, we're seed of Abraham, we're Christians. Amen. But they're not going into the homeland. Exactly. <laughs> Now, Brother Branham would deal with these. I started a little early, so I could end a little late. Amen. And if you're a little upset about that, i got a few words for you. So let's just get along with this. There's somewhere we're going with this. Now, here's why they were not receiving the token. Brother Branham would give the tutor's report, said the Holy Ghost is a tutor, and he's working on these, and he cannot get them into repentance. So he'll work on it. He'll, they'll hear. Now listen, the tutor will use preachers, he'll use other, other sons and daughters of God will, will tell you the word. But here, here's what he said, they're marrying and giving in marriage, that lots of the deacons are married four or five times and still holding deacons' office. Do you notice the church had become flippant about marriage? Yeah. Do you do you know do you know in our message ranks today there are polygamists who have more than one wife and use quotes to to back up their beliefs? Absolutely they are. Do you know there are adulterers in the pulpit that, that, that churches will let their pastor go right on into adultery and continue right on sitting there underneath that? Do you know, again, again, it's in the church. We, we, we have had homosexuals in the pulpit. Amen, homosexuals in the church. I believe, in, I believe that they can come to church. They just need to be born again. Amen. It's no different than a prostitute out here. It's just perversion. Both of them perverted life. But nevertheless, let me tell, let me tell you, there's hope for you if you're in that condition because there is a deliverance. But don't think you're a Christian and living that kind of life. Amen. You know, there, there again, there's no earnest prayer given about this important life decisions until death do us part is still the order of the day. Is that right? But today we find there's no earnest desire to be led of the Holy Ghost and to realize, young people, you are to marry by revelation. When Brother Bradham sums it all up in marriage and divorce, he he says, you know, he said, if you marry by revelation, that's yours. And and when you don't marry by revelation, you're breaking the word. But again, it, it, it shows a lack of the Holy Ghost in a person's life. You're to marry by revelation. The person you are taking to be your spouse is to be an eternal mate. And then Brother Branham turns his attention to those who are claiming the Holy Ghost and are showing all this evidence. They hadn't went far enough. They need the Father's approval and and the Holy Spirit in their life. And the tutor can't recommend them for adoption. Now these are the people that are supposedly spirit-filled. That Brother Branham said, you need adopted. He was telling them, you need something more than what you got. And here's what he said: The women are dressing and acting just like almost harlots on the street. What? Holy Ghost filled women? Your daughters that you gave the Holy Spirit, I'm quoting. Oh, they're dressing so immorally till they're making men on the street lust for them. Church members coming and dressing in a seductive way. It's a shame. It's a shame enough for men to have to turn their head out here in the world, but to come in the house of God and have to turn their head. Amen. Hey, your daughters are wearing shorts. Your sons are permitting it. We'll get on the sons in a minute. But and I'm, just, I'm just taking these snippets. How they wear shorts and still dress it! Your daughters are dressing immorally. Women wearing these little bitty clothes that looks like man's clothes. Slacks or something they call them. Women in the summertime get out with a little bitty short clothes on that they oughtn't to even appear before their husband in and mow the yard and walk up and down the streets with those little clothes on. And you know what we're seeing on Facebook anymore? All of these... All of these message people out here dressed in lewd ways out on the, bench, uh, on the beaches. It ought to be a shame. I mean, men get out there and wear their shorts. I mean, you know what? It's showing you don't have the Holy Ghost. The truth can't get you to full repentance. Amen! man out there in the backyard with a little pair of evil, dirty looking clothes on called shorts mowing the yard. Slacks, is that what you call them? Do you know the Bible said it's an abomination for a woman to put on a garment that pertains to a man. They have put on immoral clothes, clothes that look like men that call them pedal pushers and slacks. These are the people that Brother Branham is calling spirit filled wow. sons and daughters who need adoption. Why is he calling them that? Because they have made professions of faith. Right. But they hadn't went all the way. It's obvious the seal of God ain't there. Amen. Look at grandma. Get some old pictures. Look at grandmother. Her long skirts, braid of hair hanging down her back. She wasn't so attractive to look at. Look at the modern one today. Now we come to modern grandma. Modern grandma. Not modern teenage girl. Modern grandma. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you ladies, sisters in this church, grandmas. You need need to dress as an example for the younger ones coming behind you. Amen. Amen. Look at the modern grandma today. Little skinned down dress that ever formed. She can't move without sinning walking, chipping down the street with all the makeup and cosmetic a Max Factor can put on her nearly, fixing her hair like some little girl, wearing a little skirt just up about above her knees if she's got on any at all. But you look at her, she's pretty. Satan knows how to do it. He's the author of beauty and that type of beauty which results in sin. Now God isn't against you being beautiful. He's against you in having a portrayal of beauty that results in sin. All right. All right. All right. Amen. And sin is just crossing the word of God. Yep. Amen. He would give an example and hear you him. He said, in the view of this, I wonder tonight if we, the Pentecostal church, that claims a new birth, how the Holy Spirit must blush. When it comes in the presence of God to bring our character record on before the Father, we call ourselves believers and we dilly-dally around the world. The men have got away from God. The women have got away from God. It used to be in the old-fashioned church, it was wrong for women to cut their hair. They just, as bobbed haired as the rest of the world. It was wrong to wear this stuff, uh, manicure or whatever you call it on their lips. Amen. Now, you think Brother Bradham was ignorant and stupid and whatever some people do because he calls it manicure. Yeah, we, un- we understand, and he did too. It That's used on your fingers and nails. But he's making a point. And I'll tell you what, you're being spiritually stupid for wearing makeup. Don't think my prophet's stupid. You're being spiritually stupid to wear makeup. Amen. It's wrong. You say, wait, 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 wait a minute, Brother Tim, show me something in the Bible. Said, All you got in the Bible is that about Jezebel. Well, I mean Jezebel put on makeup to vamp men. And all you have to do, all you have to do is do a little bit of research on makeup and it's all about vamping men. In fact, I can read you the stats myself. Right here, I've got them right in front of me. There's studies that have been done. They want the blush on the cheek and the redness on the lip to show that they're ovulating because that is the most likely time that women want to have a sexual relationship. It is for the purpose of vamping men. Now, while that ain't my purpose, then why are you doing it? Why do you want to even be like that? Amen. So, you know, but you say, why are you preaching? Because I'm just saying, I don't care. Your papa couldn't give you the Holy Ghost. Your mama couldn't do it. And the pastor can't. But you need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that really changes your nature. That makes you desire what God's Word says. That whatever... Oh, well, Brother Tim, really now the reason why I wear it is because, I, you know, uh, it, it, it's just because I like it. Well, okay. So it's for your own self. This is what the Bible said, that they would be self-lovers. More than lovers of God. This is a condition of the end time world that we're living in. And this shows that a person will not ever be adopted until they come to the place they hate sin like God hates it. Now, so again, and the Pentecostal women today, uh, uh, today the Pentecostal women wear shorts, old vulgar, little vulgar clothes and stand out and mow their yard. The old brother There's something's happened. That's the old-fashioned, brother. It'll scour you out. It's what the church needs. It's not so much of this Hollywood preaching we're having today, but it's this old, an old-fashioned revival that'll sweep the country and to scour out the church of God. And that's the reason. Now, wait a minute. I'm going to bring something down to you. Brother Brandon said the misbehavior of one member can cause a whole church to miserably fail misbehavior. Do you know the misbehavior of a, of a woman who claims to be a Christian and she, she will dress and, and do things that the prophet spoke against and the Bible speaks against? Now wait a minute, you say you need more Bible than Jezebel. Okay, the Bible said that you should dress in modest apparel. That whatever you do, it should be modesty. And you can't call that modest when it's for sex appeal. I'm nailing it down, but you might as well get it. We've got to preach holiness if we're going to have an adopted church. And you're going to have to believe in holiness if you're ever going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He is not going to fill your vessel and you still got desire for the world out here. That's the reason we don't have miracles, all night prayer meetings and things that we used to have is because something's happened. The Holy Spirit cannot bless. We've, had, we've taken different teachers. We'll, we've not let the Holy Spirit do the teaching. And how we get away with some little fancy slick tongued fellow that is will say, oh, that's old fashioned. Don't believe in that. But that's the teaching of the Bible. Oh, you say, you're just old-fashioned, Brother Branham. The Bible is also, and we're guilty before God if we neglect to preach the entire truth of that Bible. My sisters, the other day, now here he comes and brings the point down. The other day, a young lady came to my house, a beautiful woman, sitting on the porch when my wife and I come in. She was so dressed, she looked terrible. And she said, Brother Branham, excuse me, but I, I'm acting like the Shunammite woman. I had to press my way in. In other words, she's sitting on the porch waiting on him. She was viewing herself like Shunammite woman. You know, I said, what is it? said, I'd like to talk to you privately. We went in the study. I said, okay, sis, what is it? I said, I thought she was a sinner. She was dressed like one. And she was a beautiful woman, but just poured into a little dress that was terrible looking. Wasn't made for a woman to wear. Now, he said, I'm not critical. I'm not joking. This is a pulpit. And, they say, and the Bible. The woman looked terrible. And she kept telling me about, about her having nervous spells. Well, it just happened to me. I said, well, now, first thing, sister, what you need to do is accept Christ. And she said, I'm a Christian. And he said, oh, excuse me. And I said, she said, yeah, I'm a Christian. Said, I got the Holy Ghost. He said, merciful Father. He said, well, lady, you don't dress like one then." And she said, oh, well, you're of the old school of thought. Now, this is 1957, where that in the Pentecostal ranks, they began to preach the liberation of women. And so they were going to set the women free where they could, listen, I went through it with my cousins. Yeah, we had Pentecostal, I had Pentecostal cousins that were pastor's daughters. That you know that that were wearing miniskirts in the '70s and makeup and cutting their hair, you couldn't tell them from the world. And their excuse was, "Well, how in the world do you think we can be a witness and a light to people if we if we, we dress like some old fogey?" Well, you know, let me ask you something: How in the world do you think you're going to be a light when your darkness is just like the rest of them? A light stands out. It's a beacon in the time of darkness. Amen. That there is a holy God and a holiness. Amen. And he said, he said, my pastor don't believe like that. We got liberation of women. He said, you got liberation of something. It's from the Bible. You know, you're that you've liberated yourself from. She said, I said, did anyone ever tell you you're a, Uh, An attractive woman, and she kind of messed up her hair, you know, on the side. Oh, yes. You know, do you realize that's the way that the way you're dressed, you'll send more men to hell than all the barrooms in the country? She said, Well, Brother Branham, I I don't mean anything. And by God's grace, here comes a vision. And I see what she's doing. So uh, you work in an office, yeah? Your mother's dead. Yeah, you got four sisters and a brother, right? You was lifting a fan around, it hurt your back, yeah? If you put your hand back there, you'll find it sore. She said, it is. He said, well, right there, he said, there's your nervous problem. She said, well, thank the Lord. And He said, well, go put some clothes on now. And she said, Brother Brandon, we don't believe in that kind of old-fashioned stuff. And I said, well, then what about last night? The boy you was with in that place. And she started crying and it exposed her sin and told her the adultery she was living in and how she fell on the floor and began to weep. Now you see that adulterous spirit was showing itself on the outside and was manifesting itself in her dress. Because what is on the inside is going to show on the outside. So, he says, well, lady, you might be as virtuous and clean as you can be, but if you dress in little Hollywood dresses and get on the street and man's looked at you, you're guilty of adultery. Now, can you imagine you you being a party to adultery because of the way you dressed, because of the way you adorned yourself, the way that you vamped men? And cause them to look at you in a sexual manner. Don't you realize you're guilty with him? You see men, we're in the mind that you can commit adultery. You, you see young men, why you shouldn't be looking at this pornography and stuff? Because that's where it's committed is in the mind first. And then you take that kind of spirit on and there it will torment your, your life. It'll, it'll go right into your marriage. It'll ruin your homes. Amen. I, I know what I'm talking about. It's the truth. You, can, you cannot set any evil thing before your eyes. Amen. Now, so Christian women, to wear manicure on their face. They wear makeup. They're acting like the world. More, more than $40 billion a year spent on cosmetic. I'm going to challenge you girls that are using makeup. Get rid of the stuff. Quit buying the stuff. And send that to missions and do something good with that money. Rather than bring in a reproach on the gospel of Christ. Do something to build up the cause of Christ. Well, anyway, there's a lot, a lot of this. But your daughters have got their hair. How they smoke. They drink. How the, sm- the, the men are smoking cigarettes. And now, since marijuana is legalized, we're going to have believers smoking marijuana. You say, "How do you know that?" Because they did it because they did it before it was legalized. Right. Right. Amen. Will you look at your watch for all of them? Show it up real high. <laughs> Amen. All of them. They will sit right there. It's almost two o'clock, by the Tim. You don't know how sore my seat get. You never had six surgeries on your feet and stand here preach for hours without complaining. That's right. You never stood there like I have with blood running out of my toes to be able to preach the message. You've never been with me in Africa where they sit on a little wooden plank with no back for hours and beg you to preach more. You're all right. You're not going to die. But I hope you'll die to sin. I hope that some will be born again by the Holy Spirit and can be adopted into the body of Christ. Your daughter's I, you know, I dealt with a man by the name of Arnie Marzioni. First time I met him, it was in, in Tucson, Arizona. He was standing behind the pulpit, giving a witness of how he witnessed the message. You know, and he said, "Now I got the Holy Ghost. I just got a little problem with smoking cigarettes." Well, he you not know, just had the problem of smoking cigarettes, but when I met him over in Ohio, I was invited to go out to eat with him, them, them guys one day after I had preached a sermon there, and. Uh, brother Ernie Villanueva, he was a Christian, a true Christian brother, and he was working with these boys and, and trying to lead them into more and tell them th- that they needed more. And, and and he said, come go with us. Come, come go with us. We're witnessing to some Greek guy. So on the way, you know, they were telling me their testimony. Yeah, I witnessed to, to old brother Ernie here. He's in the full gospel business, man, a UPC guy. And I witnessed to him about the message Said I couldn't, I, you know, I I I couldn't uh, uh, think of it fast enough, so I took a break and went out and smoked a a joint of marijuana and come back, brother. I could really tell the message in. Well, it just made this little two by four preacher here get mad. I got angry enough to begin to say, "Listen, you need a new heart and a new spirit. You've got that far, maybe, and you believe the message and all of that, but you need something else. You need God's spirit." Amen. You ever get his spirit in your life, that'll come, that come that sin will be as dead as midnight. And it won't be you having the Holy Ghost, but you got this little tobacco problem. Let me tell you, you get the Holy Ghost, it'll all be gone. Amen. And I'll tell you what, that day the Holy Spirit fell in that room and those men fell on the coffee table there and wept their way to Calvary and changed their life from that day to this. Yeah. And when that man died, he had a testimony, I'm clean, I'm saved, I'm delivered, I've been set free, and my life has been different ever since that day, Brother Tim. But the man telling dirty and crass jokes, dirty jokes, acting like the world, and awful things, entertainment. Staying home at night, listening to Who Loves Susie. All the things on television neglecting the church. Well, well, I I wasn't watching Who Loves Susie. Well, it doesn't really matter if you're watching that or a fishing show. You neglected church. On Wednesday night, instead of going to prayer meeting, they stay home to watch television. How they go to picture shows. Can you imagine? Can you imagine we're this far along and have to tell people you don't go to picture shows? Right. Stay home on Wednesday night and to, to watch television. Christians go to bioscopes, picture shows, see these worldly pictures. And the, and the devil's a smart man. He brought it right into your home on a television. Oh, we don't call them TVs no more. They're movies. Um. Let's see, monitors. Um, uh, well, I mean, same thing, but um, yeah, we can justify it now. Uh, what is it when, ch- when church members know what the latest flick that has come out, and they know all about it, and they know uh, they've already seen it, and they can't wait for the next one to come? What is it? How are we going to ever have miracles in the church until we get a miracle in the people? Amen. How are we going to do it? Your church, he said, your church, half of them, here's the tutor coming to the Father, the Holy Ghost. He's, he's, you know, There's not two gods, but he's just making a, a, a type here. Your church, half of them don't even come to church on Sunday. No, on Wednesday night, they stay home to see we who love we love Susie, or ever watch on television, you know, your child is not doing good. he's sassy, he's snoopy, he won't behave, he won't try to listen, he won't try to learn. He just don't care. Right. They sit around now here I'm coming. they sit around and look like a little jug and fill up pretty quick, and get up and go home. In other words, they have little capacity for the word. You know, they fill up real quick. I'm through. I'm through. Headship. What about it, brothers? It's your time. You call yourself a man and head of the house. You let your wo- woman strip herself off and get out on that lawn with a cigarette in her hand before men. shows how much men you are. And then he goes on about headship. You see, Christian life produces a headship. It makes the head. The, 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 the head of the man, Christ, and the head of the woman, the man, and the, and the head of the family, the parents. Amen? Come on. So, you, so again, you know, it produces headship. Now, what I want to know, man, what are you doing with your headship? Well, my wife won't listen. Well, where is your fasting? Where is your praying? Where is your agonizing with God? Where are you plying the to token in your home until something happens? Where are you desperate about this? Sin has got into my home. I can't, I can't let it keep on going without crying out against it. And, I, and, and I'm not talking about becoming a tyrant. I'm not talking about some using them a beast force. I'm talking about you on your knees bringing Christ into that home and bringing an atmosphere that begins to change lives. I know. I know what prayer will do in a home. I know what godly leadership will do. I know what applying the token will do. Look, look at my, my four children that I got. I know what it means to apply the token. I know what it means to create an atmosphere. I know what it means to have a home under the Holy Spirit. And you can have it too. And every one of you young men ought to make that your goal and ambition that Christ is going to be the head of this home. Amen. 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 You follow little clicks in the church and you're fussing and fighting and gabbling and biting. And you know, you don't like what goes on here and you don't like this and you find something wrong and here and you know what? You can go to wherever you want to go. Find whatever church you want to. But unless there's a change on the inside, you'll go there and it won't be long. You'll be finding the problem here and the problem there and the problem. You know what? Because the problem's right here. And until you face it. Until you let the Holy Spirit deal with your life. And bring that stuff out of your life and change you. You're going to be a wandering star. In and out and up and down. Never satisfied. Never happy. Never this. Never that. Floating along. A wandering star. Drifting from here to there. But if you can ever come to Christ, he'll be an anchor in your soul. That's what he wants to do. Bring you to adoption. He wants to be able to entrust you and empower your life. He wants to bring you to full term. Now I want to bow your head. Let me just say, as as the musicians are coming now. Also, the tutor would talk about all separated, dividing, arguing and fussing, disputing over little petty differences, unbelief, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, arrogant, dilatory, arguing our little religious differences and splitting hairs and such nonsense. And when we got today families that are all broke up supposed to believe the message and can't even worship together. Can't even come together to worship God together. It's because the Holy Spirit is not there. Still there with bitterness, hate. Some of you some of you don't want to even serve Christ today because of what you've seen in your own family's life. But I'm going to tell you, your family is not the example. The Bible is God's example. And when you've seen your family do things that the Word of God says not to do, don't blame the Bible. Don't blame the message. When you see results of this, Ugliness, and hatred, and malice, and variance, and fighting in the family. and Mom and dad can't get along. Don't blame that on the message. Blame that on an unconverted life. And I'm asking you today. I'm asking you. I'm asking for men to step up to become real men. I'm, talking, I'm speaking about women to come to be real women. I'm talking about teenagers to be real examples of God. The tutor's calling, the tutor's moving, the tutor's wooing. I want to bring you to adoption. I want to bring you into fullness. I want to deal with that emptiness in your life. Take out the vanity and the pride and the selfishness your own ambition change you in His presence. Make a, somebody real out of you. Let little things. I can't worship there. I can't do that. I I I gotta go. listen. Why don't you just get a change in your life? I just wonder, and I've been a long time this morning. Yes, I even began early. And I preach long. But church. It's time we come to real consecration. In our lives. It's time you deal with the anger. The hatred. The animosity. The bitterness that you've had toward others. It's time that you deal with. Your own self. Your vanity. Your pride. It's time that you deal with. Sin, whatever level it is. It's time that there be some real men consecrated to God. To be leaders in the home. It's time there be some real women that stand behind their men. And support them. And say we're going to be real Christians. It's time that there be a family altar began in your home. And a dedication to God. Where that we can be an adopted church. A people where the move of God is, where we're cleansed, washed, purged, set free, where He could say of you as a son. Listen, I understand. Maybe we can never get everybody in, in, in a building, all in one mind and one accord. I understand we may we may not get everybody in a building all together saved and set free. And, Field maybe make believers unbelievers till the day we we live here. But let's quit worrying about all of them. What about your own self? Just get that right. Just get that right. Just get that right. Full term. Play that song. More of you. I want more of you. And I want you to make that the theme in your life right now. In your heart. Lord, I don't want to stop short. I want to be able to tutor to say of me, this is a son who has my approval. Seal him now to the rapture. Give him that authority. Give him that place. Give him that position. Maybe you've been placed in the land. Maybe that's, you're in the homeland. Say, Brother Tim, I settled this a long, long time ago. But I'm asking you even in the homeland. Is there another scripture? Is there another promise? Is there something more for you to achieve? Is it there for you? Can you reach out to it today? Can you just say, I'm going to deal with even that enemy, that Goliath, that obstacle, that complex, that hindrance in my life that's just really kept me from being a full possessor of the promise. I want to come in his fullness will you invite him to do it today with all your heart now with all your heart just let him talk to you just a moment just let him talk to you woman what about you can you come under headship are our women supposed to be anointed with an iron disposition that they're not soft and tender by the Holy Ghost and can be led by a husband into the Word and then walk together in Jesus? Is our men supposed to be so wimpy that they can't take position and headship in their home and bring a godly atmosphere? Is our young boys going to be raised up to be perverts and every kind of pink suede stuff and Whatever sissified ways, you don't know how to be a real man, and this generation, this world is gonna it's take an influence over you where you don't know how to be a real man. You ladies there, you got the, all this example of Hollywood and women's lib, and you know, all, all this professionalism. Why don't you be a real Christian? Something that's really real. We want to see Christ not some woman's lib. There's enough of that out there. You don't need to, to demonstrate that. That's been demonstrated enough. I don't you demonstrate a real godly child of God, surrendered to God. Young lady, won't you have that ambition? I want to be a mother, a wife, a daughter of God, forced, first and foremost, a child of the king, surrendered to God would you ask him to do it for you in your life one real one real evidence of being a real child of God is a hunger to want more of God you can't be a child of God and, and, and not get hungry for more of God want his word and, Don't you want him to bring you into dedication and consecration? Won't you ask him to do it? This is the age of life. This is where it can happen. And you can have it. That You can be filled with the life of God. Invite him. Invite him to you right now. More of you. More of you. I've had it all But what I need Is more of you Of things I've had my feel But yet I hung her still Empty and bare Lord, hear my prayer for more of you. Will you sing it again now with me? I want more.